Seth, how are you, sir? Oh, we lost him. Inviting Seth back to speak. I hit the wrong button. All good, man. What's up? <laughs> uh, you know, tired. Yeah. Confused. I, uh, I haven't fallen asleep before 3 a.m. since, I believe, Tuesday night being just manic-brained, uh, trying to piece everything together. Um, it's been a journey. It's been a ride. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you... Have you have you figured out the Knicks trade yet? I, I felt for you last night. I don't know, guys. Uh, as as we were getting sort of the dribs and drabs of information about the 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 Jalen the the Jalen Duran trade. So, what happened was from my from my end. So I got a text from some one of my guys who I definitely trust, like honestly, the most of anyone I talk to. Um, but he wasn't directly involved with the deal. But I knew Duren, I knew Detroit was Duran's target, right? Like I think I put it out like ten minutes before the draft that they were calling around trying to see their options to get a second lottery pick, right? Um, and specific, I mean, I everyone was saying it was for Duran. You never know at that point, right? Like we figured out that the, most people I talked to kind of figured out that OKC's target all along and their trade up was Deyang. Um, who obviously the Knicks knew that too, which is how they were able to hold New York over a bail right and take their guy at 11. For a while, the promise was like presumed to be Cleveland. Can I, can I, I jump like, in there, by the way? Yeah, go, go, go. No, so the, the funny thing about that is, and this is something that like it's inside the league, outside the league, like OKC is the most secrecy-focused like organ, like all of this serious business, state secrets, nobody knows anything stuff. Almost all of it like started in OKC, yet they're the team that got like leverage because everyone knew who they wanted to pick. I I just find that delightful, uh, and also illustrates like what the hell are we doing with like hiding who's working out where and stuff like that. It's it, it ah, so dumb. Anyway, continue. Um, quick breaking news that Bill Oram is going back to the Oregonian. Uh, are going back home to the Argonian to be their sports columnist. Shout out Bill Oram. Great writer, great reporter. That's awesome. Um, so basically, yeah, when the deal goes down, like, or at the start of going down, I got this tip from a very trustworthy guy, but not directly involved with the trade, that it was the rent to Detroit. So I texted some, then someone for a confirmation who would have been involved with the deal, and they said, yes, Detroit, the Ren. So I was like, cool, put out there quick, bang. And then I get two texts from two other people who I definitely trust as well saying, Duran's actually going to New York. And I was like, what? That can't be real. And then I saw the other reporter that was going around. And then, like, one of the people who told me he was going to Detroit, I forgot which one, to be honest, because it's all a scramble now, <laughs> said, New York's definitely involved here. So I was like, shit. So that's what I put out. The, to be honest, I don't really know where Durant's going <laughs> now, but it's definitely a three-team trade because by, I think, maybe maybe I don't even know for sure. It might not be a three-team deal. I have to look through. Maybe someone in our comments will be able to tell us too. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a deal where, where New York acquired Jalen Duran from Charlotte 
they sent that pick um they sent a pick from the OKC deal in four seconds to get Duran and then they sent Duran with Kemba to Detroit to get the pick for, from uh, the Jeremy Grant trade that the Pistons acquired. So I guess technically New York did trade for Jeremy Grant or Jeremy Duran. Um, <laughs> Jalen Duran. Jalen Duran. Yeah, I know. It's, I, see, yeah, no, I see. Yeah. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still on one. But yeah. there was definitely also a lot of confusion from people in the league and even people in New York, I would say, um, that um, they still thought maybe – Jaden Ivey was going to be coming back their way um, if they could have facilitated the Duran deal to get him to Detroit. Um, clearly, even despite all of New York's efforts, the Pistons wanted Ivey. They were never going to give up Ivey, it sounds like, now after they got him. Um, but, yeah, that is my dropping the curtain back kind of still obviously reeling from what happened explanation. <laughs> So I can tell you that that's like, you know, your experience with that is not, um, there's been, you know, at the, at the deadline and at this time of year, there've been multiple times where you get like, you know, this is in the front office, you get like, uh, like one piece of news and something else. And then it, it sort of comes out in like, you know, your, 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 your peeling sections of like, uh, of, of, of like a, a curtain or something like that. And it's, it's just, I, wait, who, who, who's in this deal for what? And that team is in it. How? So it's not like the the confusion is is not just that sometimes it takes it, sometimes it takes you know it it, it can take a while for the, the the whole picture to to come through even if you're like talking to someone who's involved with the deal it's it's sort of you know just bits and pieces come out because they're busy so it's it it is um it they can be confusing once they get complex like for the most part like the, the the nut the basis of the deal comes together pretty quickly. It's like okay, the traded you know draft pick for Durant. Okay, that that's that's uh, that, that that's straightforward. But then it's all these other pieces that are moving that are are the things that are like the the things that are getting hammered out in the last little bit of negotiation that are the things that make it super complicated and make the details uh, you know sometimes hard to hard to dis- discern. For sure. Um, the other details that were hard to discern were about who the Orlando Magic were going to pick. Um, and just uh, a programming note, so we, I, I see we've got seven calls in the queue. I know two of them are definitely going to be Mavericks-related. Um, that's obviously the other element of the Knicks dealing here of trying to create cap space to go pursue Jalen Brunson from the Mavericks. We will definitely get there. Um, I didn't really formally introduce my guest, Seth, Seth Part now. Um former Milwaukee Bucks analyst, Colin host, author of the book in his profile, The Mid-Range Theory, um, and The Athletic Writer. I'm going to be going on Seth's show sometime during the moratorium. We're doing a little Colin home and home. I'm definitely going to get to your questions here. These are just the first two topics I definitely did want to hit. So thanks, Seth, for throwing me the Duran bone. And also, if you do want to ask a question, um, you got to make a Colin account. I know that we've got a lot of people listening on here just in the free, it's not, not, they're all free, but in the non-call-in version, um, it would just be cool to have you guys log in and like join us here. We're going to be bringing you guys this show twice a week, um, you know, pretty much all off-season into, into next season, I would imagine. Um, and we've been, we've been here breaking down stuff that's going to be happening for, you know, a little over a couple months now. So, 
Um, join us, subscribe. You'll get push notifications whenever we're coming up. Um, you can listen to that show here recorded afterwards. We're on Apple and Spotify too, but uh, I think Seth can also attest that uh, we really like working on this app and uh, we love engaging with you guys on the app. And the best way to engage with you is if you make an account and actually call in so we can talk uh, talk to you. What Jake said. Uh, I'm not on as regular a schedule as Jake is. I mean, I do I do three shows a week, but it's sort of when when I can when I and my guests can find time. I'm hopefully over the off season trying to be more regular about it. But but uh, if like Jake said, if you subscribe, uh, you'll get notifications when I got shows coming up. I've got uh, next week. I've got I'm talking Celtics with Jared Weiss, uh, Knicks with Fred Katz, and. Uh, 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 Keandre Ashley, uh, Hoops Intellect, is going to come and, and uh, you know uh, re- review the draft with, with me. So that's what I've got coming up. There you go. Next week, I'm definitely talking to Big Waz on Tuesday, or might even be Monday night. I have to double check. I think it's Monday night. Um, I'm going to put <laughs> that out. It? Yeah, it's just been crazy. Um, uh, I'll put that out that announcement out soon, um, and I'm probably going to bring something in the last hour before free agency um, on Thursday. That's my unofficial plan. Um, but yeah, to Paolo. Um, so I wrote, I, I tweeted Wednesday morning when I woke up because again, I've been living on like Hawaiian hours um, that I woke up to see all the crazy betting line movement um, about Paolo over the overnight. And um I got a call on Wednesday from someone involved in Paolo's pre-draft uh, decision-making, let's say, um, asking me if I really thought Orlando was considering him. Um, this is this is the morning before all the gambling stuff happened, um, I believe, if I have the timeline correct. Yeah, yeah, it was that Wednesday morning and then the stuff went crazy Wednesday night. Um, and I said, I mean, honestly – Everyone's been saying Jabari. I don't know, but if you're if you have doubts about it, like that's also part of their plan too, because no one they like the the Magic were very keen all along on not really spreading any info about what they were doing. I got it. I mean, they 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 tried to to, to book all these guys in under cloak and dagger, or like when it, when it would come out that they had contact with a guy, or when Shade and Sharp visited. Like I don't think the Magic were thrilled about that. Same thing like how Sam Hankey honestly operated back when he was in Philly. Like he was trying to keep everything under lock and key. It's a funny thing. I know Seth. You, I think I saw you tweet alongside at one point. Like it's a silly game of secrecy that we play. Um, but I mean, some some execs just really think it's super important to keep everything buttoned down, right? Uh, I mean, so so there's 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 two there's two sides of this. Um, one is like you have the number one pick. Yeah, we're gonna get, we're gonna have Chet work out. We're gonna have Jabari work out. We're gonna have Paul work out. Like we guess because we have the number one pick. Like that's you're not like tipping your hand by having the top prospects work out for you. On the other hand, I think that the the they did the the point of being very close to the vest about who they're at, where they're actually leaning is. Um, I I worked for John Hammond for a year, so I have an idea of how he you know of how he and he's not unique among this. Um, and Jeff Weltman worked for him for a long time, so I imagine, like they they're very much okay. These are the this is the tier of players cut from we the have, same cloth. Yeah, yeah, but we have so we have these players on a level. Um, we might have a preference 
but uh, tears might sound familiar. Uh, but the, the, but between those, we're fine if we get any of these, I would imagine, three guys. So if we don't tip our hand, we could pick any of them. Then someone who wants to trade up to get any yes, of them exactly. is incentivized to do it. Whereas if someone wants, if, if say, for example, OKC is set on Chet Holmgren, if they know that or Orlando is is he's he's not the top of Orlando's board. They have no incentive to try to move up to to keep someone else from doing so. So that's I mean that that's like that's reasonable competitively advantage secrecy as opposed to who's working out for you. Especially now when like agents manipulate that so much too. It's like like oh he didn't work out for them yeah because the agent said no. It wasn't they didn't want him to work out for him or they weren't interested. So I, I like that's it. Whatever modest gains you get from, like, the secrecy are more than outweighed by the fact that you're kind of sticking your thumb in fans' eyes who just want to know what's going on. Anyway, that's, so, that's yeah, my soapbox yeah. for now. No, you're good. So bringing it back to the Palace situation, um, to, your, to your exact point, Seth, about potentially, you know, creating interest to um, uh, have people behind you call up about, about trades. Like Houston made their love for Palo very, very obvious. So when the report broke right before the draft that, or, or, or I mean, not even before that, honestly, I, I don't really know if I'm allowed to say this, but I know Houston called a team in the, in the bottom of the lottery, let's say, the bottom half of the lottery, just, explore, just exploring the appetite for trading down that pick because – at a certain point, they were definitely starting. Um, they were uh, definitely starting. I believe Rockets people were starting to have fear that Palo wouldn't be there at three, probably on Tuesday. Um, but I think that fear was about OKC at two, not really about um, the, the the Magic at one. And then, but so then when the report broke on on you know Monday night or last Thursday night, excuse me, sorry. I mean, obviously, I'm just still piecing out everything. I'm I'm going nuts over here. Um, so when the, uh, report broke right before the draft that Paolo was the guy, um, there was definitely a lot of people I was talking to who thought, oh, maybe this is like a reincarnation of Jason Tate and Markel Fultz, where the Magic really do just want Jabari at, at, um, at three, and they're just going to try to bait the Rockets. Then it became pretty clear that no, just like Orlando wanted Paolo, um, and the calls that they made on Wednesday seem to have been like the like we need to talk to this guy because we want to get this guy. But even still, as I wrote right before the pick, like I, when I talked to people who would know on Thursday, like Thursday afternoon, um, they did not necessarily believe that the Magic's interest was in good faith and that they were just probably just doing their due diligence or throwing people off the scent or what have you. And I think it was a cool moment for me. Like, obviously, we're inside the machine now, Seth, but there are certain moments where, like, you know, the broadcast on TV is literally a TV show of the draft. But as people on Twitter know and as, um, you know, we were, we very well know, like, the draft is happening in war rooms and on text, text uh, threads and phone calls. Like, the draft is not really happening on TV. But the TV moment of the league, the TV show that is the NBA, to see that kid – be pretty shell shocked and literally speechless on draft night because he didn't know everything I've been told. He did not know he was going number one. That was a pretty cool moment to watch, even being so you know connected to it like we are. Yeah, there's a, there's a few of those. I th- I thought. I mean, obviously, you know, Jaden 
I, I don't know if it was people have, have, have speculated, few it's not Sacramento. I don't think that's what it was. I think it's like, I made it. Uh, and and uh, Marjun <laughs> like those were those were kind of my some of my favorite like moments of the night. Just you know that 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 that, that feeling achievement. I mean, I think it's it's I, I don't want to compare it because its difference in degree is is massive. But I mean, you know, I, I mean you you've published a book in the last year, and and there's a little bit of that. I I did all this work, and here it is. Like yeah. I can. It's it's you know on a much lower scale, I can sort of I can sort of understand that uh, that like just the overwhelming emotion of that moment. Like I even um, I someone who's very familiar with Palo uh, called me probably ten minutes before the draft. This guy was screaming and like I could hear the emotion in his voice. How pumped he was for Palo to be one. And look like. I don't want to say too much now because the marriage is the marriage. Um, um, like it didn't really seem like Orlando was Palo's preferred choice, right? Like the, the love affair is pretty out there between him and Houston. Um, but even still in that moment to be the number one pick in the draft is like a holy shit. I'm the number one pick in the draft. So I, mean, I was happy for those guys. How much of that is you can't fire me. I quit. Yeah. You know, bit. it's like, a little like, bit. Well, if you don't want to, if you want to pick me, I don't want to go there. I don't like, and then it's like, well, you do love me, so you know, I, I these things, I think these things have tend to have a way of working themselves out in they terms do. of in terms of, you know, it's it's the uh, the perception of what what a team is, what a city is from the outside uh, is often different than than you know when you get here. I say here, living in Milwaukee, that's certainly an experience that, that I've that I've had. It's like you had an idea of what Milwaukee is, and then you live here. It's like, oh, this place is cool. Um, All right. It's uh, 15 minutes in. Um, I Since it's that time of year, like I'm definitely willing to go a little bit past the hour. I don't want to hold Seth too much longer if he'll have to run at that point. But we got, tw- we got 12 calls right in the queue. I know we got 600 people live listening. I'm sure more calls will come. I'm going to get to the comments at some point, too. I'm going to try to speak fast. We're trying to move as fast as we can. Um, our first question comes from my producer, Zach, who swore he was never going to lead off ever again, but he did it again. So here you are. Hi, hi Zach. Hey, hey, Seth. Hey, Jake. Uh, I'll be, keep it quick. Uh, and also, Jake, congrats. This is by far the largest uh, sports show on Cohen now. Uh, live you, audience. Um, uh, real quick, uh, you know, I'm going to ask about Jalen Brunson. What has changed since your live show on Tuesday where you – you didn't say he was definitely going back, but it was like it seemed more likely he was going than not after Stein just dropped that that article. So yeah, the the word I got, um, and we're going to be one question that I'm moving people into the next, just to be an FYI, just for a programming note for everyone. Um, yeah, I mean, I heard the word done deal over and over and over and over again on Monday and Tuesday, um, and not that it was a done deal, but that it was essentially a done deal. I heard from a couple agents who clients told them that Jalen told them it was essentially a done deal. Mavericks people have been super confident about it since, you know, I remember everyone descended on Chicago at the combine week. And there was, you know, that was the word it started around there. Like, you know, everyone's in town, everyone's whispering that Dallas was really confident about Jalen. But this week they've definitely been, you know, the Dallas front office has been monitoring everything New York is doing. And um, there's definitely seems to be kind of, I mean, look, the Knicks are calling around looking at options to, to offload this salary. So everyone in the league is obviously talking about 
when one team is doing the same thing with everyone, like when Daryl Morey is calling around, gauging Matisse Tybalt's trade value, um, or when the Hawks are trying to figure out John's Collins trades, like that's what that's when that stuff gets back to people like myself and Mark Stein and others, like the most like loudly and consistently. Because when you keep calling other teams, um, other teams are going to talk about the fact that you keep calling. Same thing with the Pacers and Malcolm Brogdon. Um, so the Knicks' efforts to shed salary are a very popular topic, um, and I think. You know, they know they're going to have to really come off the top rope because, you know, Fred Van Vliet's salary was basically being the benchmark for Jalen for a long time. And then into the playoffs, I was like, okay, well, maybe it gets up to 90, like 490. That'll probably be good. That was the word. And then now, you know, the Knicks offer is almost assuredly going to be 400 and at least. And I know people around the league who have been preparing for his offer to end up being four one ten. Um so I mean it's gonna to be very, very pricey. It's a whole lot of Jalen Brunson. It is. It is. Uh this is, I gotta say that's a you know, um who knows where that I mean you probably know but can't say where the talk is coming from. That's a nice game by, by Brunson's agent to run. Uh to you know, you tell everyone you know a team is very interested, although <laughs> though maybe a little bit screw you dad given that his agent is Leon Rose's son but uh, you know it's a done deal yeah he's going back to Dallas definitely you know what team's after him well I guess we gotta we gotta bump our offer up not just a little but we gotta beat that by three million a year or something like that that's a that's a it's a good bluff to run I think and uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep talking about this topic because my boy Kirk Henderson is up next, so we'll have Kirk's question kind of steer where we keep going here about the the Jalen Brunson sweepstakes. Kirk, how you doing, man? You're on mute. I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you two gentlemen? Will I be seeing both of you in Vegas? You will. I will definitely make my at least once a day walk through the whatever that section is at the top of Thomas and Mac and say what's up to the Expedition Squad. Outstanding. Well, I will keep my question brief because it does play off Brunson. How allowed am I? How mad am I allowed to get if it becomes a money issue and they and Brunson were to walk over money? Because the Mavericks and I, Mavericks fans have a very hard time with this because they haven't been over the cap, let alone in the tax for a long time. <coughs> they the Mavericks don't have a means to replace Brunson. They don't. It can't be understated. It's driving me crazy. You mean, you mean Spencer Dinwiddie would not be considered an adequate backup plan for you? I mean, so no. All right, Seth. So I'm. I, I don't think it's it's much of a secret that I've never been the biggest fan of Jalen Brunson. So at a certain point, like, okay, we have no means to replace him, but that's a stupid amount of money. And yes, we have no way to replace him now, but that's an anchor that's an anchor for us going forward. And we're not trying, obviously there's some, some dealing with the, the dynamics of having a, you know, a top superstar like Luca on, on the team, put some pressure on you, but like, you know, we've seen teams screw things up. I think more times, as many times, if not more times by, you know, too early to a, a, a core that tops at it pretty good. And Atlanta so, Hawks are currently trying to pivot from that right now. Yeah, and so I like, you know, you know, you get up towards like, you know, twenty eight, twenty nine million a year for the 
guy who's never going to sniff an all-star game, most likely. At a certain point, you know, if you're already, if you're already like championship level team, yeah, keep it together. But if you're still trying to build to that, and I, you know, Kirk probably, I think having talked to him about this, I think he agrees with this. Like Dallas made the conference finals this year, but they're not necessarily a conference finals team. Like, I think that's, 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 you know, getting ahead of yourself and, and almost limiting your ceiling. So like, it's not just a matter of being cheap. It's a matter of if we pay that much to him, we're at, we're, we're, it, it becomes counterproductive, from my perspective, at least. I don't know. What, what do you think? I think, yeah, to answer Kirk's question about how Mavs fans should feel in that instant. Um, I mean, look, I do fully understand why fans would be frustrated um, with you know an ownership group, an owner that has not been willing to pay the tax since they won the title. And part of that reason, and, and, and part of the ramifications of that has potentially been not competing for a second title, right? I mean, people, the reason people still talk about the Tyson Chandler walking and all that stuff, because I think that shit hurts fans, right? Um, and like, I'm someone who kind of stopped rooting and watching uh, baseball at all and rooting for the Phillies after I feel like the ownership group kind of bumbled the 2008 to 2010 team they they compiled. Right. Um, so I get it. Um, I also, there's no way I'd be able to follow three sports as closely as I do. Like obviously the NBA is what I do for a living. I'm a diehard Eagles fan. Um, and I, and I'm in a degenerate dynasty fantasy football league that people who have listened to Colin previously will absolutely know about. Um, so I got nothing on baseball anymore, but to bring it back to Kirk's point, I kind of do side Seth here a little bit. Cause at a certain point, if someone's willing to overpay a guy beyond where you believe he can ultimately win a like factor into a, a title winning team, like at the end of the day, the Dallas Mavericks are about build, building a champion team around Luka Doncic. So I mean, he's going to be making the max for now until the end of his days. So if ultimately Jalen Brunson starts getting like close to 30 million, if it's like 27 million a year, like it's going to be very difficult to build a championship team around that, those contract pairings in a league that's always just going to be in a perpetual arms race of stockpiling top tier talent. I think that's kind of what Seth is saying, right? Yeah, no, I think that I think that's right, and and it's really, I mean, to the extent that it was a mistake, and I'm, you know, I'm not not sure it was. These are all sort of gambles. Um, was like the, the the this is sort of the downside, perhaps, of not extending him, letting him to get to unrestricted free agency. Like, yeah. were they were they, was it a mistake in process to not give him? I don't know what what. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure it was reported, but I can't remember off the top of my head, like what the what the extension would have been. 455 has what... been, been the consistent oh. number of what he apparently wanted. 455, 460. Even, I've never gotten the even, number. Even if, not a, even if it's not a huge fan of the player, okay, I'll, I'll just come out and say that's a mistake then. Like if if, if we're talking there were like 470 last last summer and like, ah, maybe he hasn't been great in the playoffs. Um, then, you know, then I can, you know, that's sometimes the gamble doesn't work out, but that's a reasonable one. I think that's, 
that that might go down as a miscalculation. And perhaps the turmoil in Dallas's front office last summer possibly contributed to to not getting that done. I'm being told that 456 was the max that he and Dorian Finney-Smith could have been offered right. in season. Um, so, yeah, I guess the 460 number was just part of the eco-chamber number. But, yeah, 455 was the number that I've seen most reported. Um, uh, if you would have taken that okay, in season, done. then, like, yeah. I somehow doubt that by most of the way into the season, that would have been pretty early in the season. He's like, no, I'm going to get more than that. Um. And you can find all the details in Mark Stein's story on Substack today. That was very, very good. Um, if you're not subscribing to Mark Substack, uh, you are missing out. Um, okay, on this subject. Um, and uh, then I definitely, definitely going to try to keep it to like, Seth will say something, I'll say something, and we'll move it along because I want to get to as many people as we can. Um, to Kirk's point about them being upset, like, look, Let's just let's just be honest. Like, if Jalen Brunson walks and you get nothing back, like to be mad at your team, I get it. And I just said about because everything I said about the Phillies, but like I stopped caring about the Phillies and baseball because like baseball just wasn't my bag really. Like, if you love your team and it's just a fun, silly thing to enjoy, uh, like obviously there's a whole other bag about like ethical stuff when it comes to Mavericks leadership, right? But in terms of like being angry about what they do on a business side of things, um, like these are businesses being run at the end of the day. Um, but if you love the like, like to me, I love the Eagles because they're and and, and football is different. But like, it's like a it's almost like a religious activity where like every Sunday, me and my closest friends from my home area are all talking about, or sometimes even going to the same thing because it's just where we're from. And that's a cool thing that I enjoy that I know is that the root of most people's fandom. So like, yeah, definitely, you know, throw up your fist and you, and, and be angry in the moment about it. But like, if, if the team's not as good or whatever, because of like a bad decision where they fucked up, like we all make mistakes and I would still root for my team. I know everyone probably does, but that's just my stance. Ice, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. What's up, Jake and Sick? Can you kind of make sense of the whole John Collins situation, preferably tying it to the John T. Murray rumor that you dropped? Thanks. Yeah. So, John Collins, like we said time and again on the show, has been a very obvious trade candidate ever since he was in an RFA or an early extension situation that led to an RFA situation, just like DeAndre Ayton, where he wanted a max. Hawk said he wasn't worth the max. And it just kind of been friction there all along. And I believe he wants out of Atlanta, just like Atlanta's trying to find a trade for him. Um, as I wrote mutual interest about that the other day, um, you know, they've been calling left and right. It seems like from, from my understanding, like trying to find a home for him. Um, you know, there was definitely conversations with Sacramento about something with Harrison Barnes, which they had those talks back in February at the trade deadline too. I know they were talking to Portland about the number seven pick, but it just seemed like Portland um, didn't want to trade the seventh pick just for John Collins. Um, you know, he's been talked about in a really good bear stuff with Utah. Um, I do know that Boston called about him at one point in this draft cycle, but never wrote it, never wrote, never brought this up publicly. 
previously because I was told that it was never very serious or didn't get very far. I do know that before Derek White was traded to San Antonio at the deadline, I believe I wrote this at the time, Derek White was a Hawks target um, before he ultimately went to Boston. So maybe they were calling there to see if there was something with Derek White plus other things. I don't know specifics, but I'm just bringing you the data points that I do know. To the the DeJounte part of it, um, those those conversations definitely have happened recently. They happened back at the deadline as well, from my understanding. Um, I know that DeJounte and Trey want to play together. Um, or at least have interest in doing it. Um, I mean, we saw them on Instagram and tweeting out emojis about it, but the, the, the only confirmed information I can share about that specific talk right now is that it happened, and but currently it does not seem close. Um, the Spurs have a really high asking price for them. They've told multiple teams that I've spoken to who have called them that the price is a Drew Holiday-like deal. Three first-round picks seems to be the benchmark. Um, so... If John Collins is going there, does he count as one first-round pick? And then you got to add two more things, two more first or things of first-round caliber, I would guess. Um, but I don't know anything more about those talks at this point. Seth, um, what do you make of the potential John Collins-DeJounte swap or with a fit between Trey and DeJounte, what have you? Yeah, no, I mean, you're, that's, that, that's, that's we're nowhere. That's a, you know, that, that, that's two teams have called. Yeah. Yeah. We like this guy. Yeah. We like that guy. Um, so, but we need more. We want, we want this. And that's basically, that's not saying no. That's like, if you're going to offer us something stupid, sure. Is, is more what that conversation is. And so that's that, I think that's one that is much more than five minute conversation that they have. It is in, in general, that's a five minute conversation every two weeks just to see if something has changed. If must something but the, changes, the Spurs are like, definitely doing. Sorry, no, um, sorry, said I was just to say, but the Spurs definitely are doing like intel on John. Like I know that they're calling around asking about him. Yeah. Um, just, just, just teams do this just to keep keep dropping data points for our listeners. Teams do this around the around trade, just like they do around the draft. Where you know if you're starting to think about trading for Jeremy Grant, let's say. Like in your Portland, like you start to call his high school coach and his college coach, and maybe try to through agents who are representing his former teammates, like see what he's like. So um, that's definitely happening. But yeah, I don't know. If I I haven't talked to anybody about that deal since I wrote about it on Thursday night um, or Wednesday night. Haven't heard much about that um, moving forward. But it's definitely something I think can could get over the finish line at some point. Honestly, depending on how things break. Um, Kevin, with the DC logo. If I can finish up on that, can can I finish up on that just real quick? So that, to me, what that says is that there is there is a a construction San Antonio would do, and they're just making sure they're or that's something they would consider, um, and maybe it hasn't gotten around to actually discussing yet. But it's enough of a thing that they want to be prepared if it if if somehow the thing they want to do gets to a yes from Atlanta. They want they want to be at that time to if actually get to that. You don't want to be in a situation where you get yes and then okay, well we gotta do a little more research and the other you know, the other side time to you know, get cold feet or ask for more or something. So I think that's just due diligence on a possible construct that maybe hasn't been actively pursued yet. Um Kevin in D C 
How you doing? Hey, Jake. How you doing? I love love your work. Love your book. Thank you, man. Um, Appreciate that. Man, Thank you course. so much. You should buy Seth's book, too. <laughs> I love the mid-range. I mean, the mid-range is the way to go. So, um, But, yeah, th- um, um, this is a wizard question. I saw you reporting um, in your latest story uh, about uh, Kyle Kuzma and um, I think KCP being involved in talks. I was just wondering, do you, do you have any Wizards news? Um, what's the latest on the Beal situation? And just overall, like if you have anything um, related to Wizards. Thank you so much. You got it, man. Uh, Seth, you were ready to go, right? I don't have anything there other than like the, 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 I don't know, sort of the background seems to be that people think the Wizards are going to pay Beal. That's sort yeah. of. Um, I'm sure you have something more specific than that, but that's like in the people I talk to, that's sort of the, the, the baseline assumption that everyone's working from. So I know Mike Scott of the other day reported that he's expected to decline his option. Um, I know Beal put something out there. I don't have it confirmed that he's going to decline his option. Um, I'm not saying Mike's wrong, but I'm saying if that, I just, I can't confirm it, but if that is true, if he does go on to do that, Everyone I talked to, just like Seth said, has been saying, A, they expect Brad to get paid, but also that indication, if him declining his option would seem to indicate that that is also like going to happen, being that the easiest way for him to get to a contending situation that he'd want to go to, which, you know, the, 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 the whispered uh, landing spots for Bradley Beal are always Miami and you know, the Boston with the Jason Tatum connection and blah, blah, blah. And obviously Philly has figured out, tried to be f- figuring out ways how to make him the third guy. I guess it would be the fourth guy now because they seem to be viewing Tyrese as their their current uh, third member of their big three. Um, so the easiest mechanism for her to get anywhere else would be to opt in and get traded. Um, a sign trade would be difficult with all the hard capital stuff that comes from it. Um, so, yeah, Wizards people are definitely confident that he's going to head back. Well, but Mavericks people were confident that Jalen Brunson was going to head back. So who knows um, at this point, I'm definitely going to make more calls on it next week. Um, but yeah, it's been Brad back to Washington for a while, especially because the Intel also is saying that, well, Brad can just take the money and request a trade later. Um, and that, that's been consistent too. I keep hearing that from people, which that's the way the NBA works right now, unfortunately for executives and for fans who want their guys to um, same thing with you know Donovan Mitchell and Utah and Ben Simmons before them. Um, the the Wizards are definitely going to be looking at point guards. They definitely want a veteran point guard. I know they like Johnny Davis a lot. They're excited about him, but like I don't think Johnny Davis is going to be their starting point guard. I don't think Bradley Beal is going to be their starting point guard. Um, you know, I definitely heard some Tyus Jones rumblings there. Um, they get mentioned as a team of Malcolm Brogdon interest. I never thought that the Knicks or Washington. As I wrote, I think a couple of times, I never thought either of those teams were going to give up their lottery picks for Malcolm Brogdon. But I do think Malcolm Brogdon is a trade possibility um, for both those situations. Um, I mean, if the Knicks strike out on Jalen Brunson um, for Washington, I think he's a legitimate trade candidate there. But they were they were never going to be paying a lot to get Malcolm Brogdon, as I understand it. Um, so with Kuzma and KCP, I think those guys came up in several different talks. Um Kuzma's name, I heard, was being dangled in the talks for the Wizards to get up to number four with Sacramento. Um, that's all the Wizards stuff I got to dump. Uh, Ethan, how you doing? 
so much for having me on. Uh, I want to echo the previous of both of your work. Um, Thank you so much. I'm a huge Sixers fan, and I'm really excited about the Melton move. Uh, I'm hoping to yeah, he's he's awesome. I mean, like online loves him, and I think he's fine. But yeah, um, I uh, I really am hoping that we get like a bigger three or four to also add to the wing rotation. The you know those previously PJ Tucker buzz, but I think it's gonna be hard money. I mean, the, the Sixers and everybody else. Uh, you, what? So yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so I just like is are we gonna are we trying to, we're trying to like shed salary to get uh up the PJ Tucker spot or like potentially any other wing targets? Thanks so much. You got it. Um, yeah. So PJ Tucker is someone that the Sixers are interested in. However, he's not like the guy that they're chasing. That, from my understanding, they're not like trying to shed salary to get the non-tax pyramid level just to get PJ Tucker. Because there's definitely a lot of talk in the league that PJ Tucker is just trying to get a deal to get Miami to pay him to come back. Um, you know, I mean, I think Peter Tucker would take the most money he can get from a winning situation. Honestly, I don't think he's married to Miami, um, so I, I don't, I don't agree with that. But I, I do believe that Peter Peter Tucker has been a journeyman guy. He has never made over ten million dollars a year, from my understanding. Which, you know, it's not the biggest in, injustice. Obviously, he's making a pretty, pretty penny, but he wants to get paid. Like he just, he thinks he feels like he deserves it. Um, you know, there's already been some reporting that's come out um, about Nick Batum's expected salary number. Like, he wants to be paid like Nick Batum, from my understanding. Um, a lot of people in the league want that $10 million-ish non-taxpayer mid-level who are not going to get it, frankly. There's going to be a lot of agents who get fired for promising their players they were going to get them drafted in the first round who either fell to the second and or fell out entirely. It's going to be a lot of agents fired, too, who are promising their clients they're going to be able to get 10 million or the non-taxpayer mid-level. Um, and so, you know, Philly's definitely going to keep exploring stuff. I mean, they could just bring back Matisse Tybal and Tobias Harris. I, I think that's very much a realistic opportunity. Um, how much money they save on a James Harden deal is going to be very important. Um, but as I wrote uh, last week, I believe, you know, there's been a lot of talk around the league and around people around the situation uh, let's say, who are confident that James Harden and the Philly are going to find an agreement where they get more financial flexibility than the maximum salary that he can make. Um, so that is kind of my Philly dump. I mean, Seth, are, are you kind of laughing like some about the just Rockets East or um, – I mean, D'Anthony Melton trade was great. Obviously, he was another Rockets draft pick, a more guy. Um, well, what's kind of your take on, on Philly's offseason plans here? I mean, I, I think that, I mean, I think Ethan like identified the need, but as I said, it's like, that's, that's, the, that's the player everybody's looking for. So it's, it, and they, they, they're hard to come by. And that's, and that's why a, a player like, you know, PJ Tucker um, is, is, is probably, you know, he, he thinks he can command the, the, you know, the, the full mid-level is that those bigger wings who can, if you're a big wing who can defend and shoot, like that's, that, that's sort of where, where the market is going to be. Cause there's not that many of them. Um, as far as what, what should they do? It's a, it's a tough situation. Um, it's their, their future almost wholly depends on how much James Harden has left. I mean, it, it, it's sort of, 
Like, if he is more like the player he was when he first got to Brooklyn, they're a, on the short list of title contenders next year. If he's the player bulk of last year, they're going to need some things to go really right with, you know, Maxi's continuing development and um, maybe getting like a, a banner year from Tobias Harris or something like that. Um, so I, it's, it, it, there's, there's a wide comes for, for Philly and, and, you know, it's, it, it's hard to say from afar. Alone. There you go. I'm running through some comments here. We talked about DeJounte to Lanto. We talked about the Mavericks. Uh, the answer 99, my guy back from the halftime days says, Jake, why is Jeremy Grant trade not official yet? Is Eric Bledsoe somehow involved in idea on Portland's next moves? Um, I haven't talked to anybody about why it's not official yet, but the fact that the pick they got back was already sent to New York could mean that. I mean, a lot of times deals get held open for ample flexibility uh, for other things teams are trying to do. Um, so, I mean, Seth, from your experience, what, what's kind of an educated guess, or do you, do you know anything about why that deal's not uh, done yet? There's sort of, it's either, it's either maybe a league year issue, uh, if there's cash involved, or uh, going in one of these deals, or just, like, leaving it open, you know, you if if there's you rope other to a lot more flexibility with the various trade mechanisms to sort of roll a bunch of things into into one one deal it can it 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 can make the money overall work easier if if you do that and so if it, it it's kind of it's not costing anything the danger is when they start to when the deals start to stack up on top of each other uh, i don't think we've really had a disaster that's happened where like an underlying deal falls and is moving to a third team, but there's that there there that risk is out there. Um, but I don't I, I can't recall something like that having actually come to pass. All right, um, a pre a pro scour uh, asked what's up with Anunoby. Haven't heard anything that Toronto has even remotely entertained for him. Honestly. Um, so I don't know if that'll be a Rudy Gobert deal or, or or bust. I I have just been repeatedly told what I tweeted yesterday that the rapper's only appetite to move him seems to be to get back an elite elite center. Um, so we'll see if that actually does happen. Um, why did Charlotte trade thirteen for a crappy first? I mean they got a first and four seconds, um, and you know they took two first rounders last year. They got a bunch of other young guys on that team. I just don't think I – mean, the word was very consistent around the league that Charlotte did not want to keep both those picks. I thought they were going to try to buy someone, like you know, use that 15th pick to go get uh, Miles Turner, or a lot of people also thought they were going to use it to get off Gordon Hayward's contract. Um, but instead, they get a lot of picks to maybe help them do further things, like move Gordon Hayward's contract or what have you. Um, so I don't necessarily have a problem with what they did there. Um, I, I think they probably, I mean, honestly, they probably, of the two centers, one that was higher on their board, since they were, they basically controlled. Yeah. So I think that, you know, with their roster crunch, like you say, you know, uh, rolling the first rounder forward and, you know, those second rounders can come in handy just to any, to, to sweeten any, any deal. Like I can't say the number of times where, Deals get done. Well, throw in one more second, we got a deal. And then sometimes 
well, well, shit, we got to scramble to get a second now. But if you have a well, bunch the, of them the, on the hand. The Knicks do that all the time, and then we're able to send four seconds to Charlotte for this. Yeah. Well, we um, about that, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. But. Um, and then also, like, I know Jalen Duren canceled his workout there. I think I put that out on Twitter last night, too. So um, if that's any indication also. Um, and then on Charlotte, is Clifford really a contender to go back to the Hornets? From my understanding, yes. Um, I think that's been gaining steam of late. But, I mean, I honest, to tell, if I really told you, I, like, I knew who the front runner was for that job right now, I'd be lying to you. Um, it seems like – I mean, I mean – the Hornets had agreed in principle to a deal with Kenny Atkinson for well over a week, I believe. And then all of a sudden, a couple of days before the draft, he did an about face. So I don't think the Hornets were like, obviously, I don't think they had a plan in place on what to do in this scenario. It's not exactly something that uh, teams are, are bracing for to happen to them. Uh, the, um, the only thing I, I, I can say about that is I know there, there's some substance to the, the D'Antoni stuff, obviously, but at, at this point... Like, I don't know. Would you say it's fifty-fifty between those two, as far as you know? Sorry, I you broke oh. up there for a second for me. Can you say? That yeah, again? no, I, I just like I, the, I, some there's some fact behind the the D'Antoni rumors, but it, it's it's where they're leaning between those two. I I couldn't say. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, D'Antoni. From my understanding, D'Antoni did not meet with with ownership. Did not meet with Michael Jordan in the first round or the final round of the first go-around, uh, even though it was reported he was going to. Um, I don't think that happened. So the fact that he did finally meet with OJ, OJ, oh my God, MJ. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm combining OG and MJ. Uh, that's obviously a, a, a thing. And I do know, I do know, um, <laughs> I do know uh, that Clifford was in Charlotte this week. Um, Last comment before we get back to the questions, because this is an, an audio platform and we only got 10 more minutes of Seth's time. Back from Baller SP, okay. Um, from Baller SP, um, Indica or Sativa, I'm a Sativa guy. Okay, uh, back to the questions. George, how are we doing? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for uh, doing this for us and entertaining our, us uh, crazy basketball fans. Uh, appreciate yeah, it. Man, I love doing these shows. I could tell. I could tell, man. Um, I have some questions on Aiton. I, I think you did a really good job of kind of summarizing it. It seems it's simil- really similar to the John Collins situation that went down last summer. So I was just trying to get some more details out of you, if possible. So with regards to his demand for max, <laughs> well, if possible, is anyone going to give him a max contract that you know of? <laughs> is anyone willing to entertain a sign and trade with the Suns? And like, what are the chances of him coming back to the Suns for less than the max? Whatever you could tell, it's greatly appreciated. You got it. Thank you, George. Um, Detroit definitely was looming as the largest threat to sign DeAndre. And now, you know, there are definitely people wondering, is that still the same after the Jalen Duren deal? Um, we're, we're about to find out. Um, I am starting to grow pessimistic, I'll say, about whether or not DeAndre will find that max contract offer. It could very well still come from Detroit. Um, but I know it's not coming from Portland, from my understanding. Um, Atlanta, I haven't heard him linked there at all recently. That could still happen too, but like that, that could, that's completely died out. Um, and I do know, I mean, I, I don't know how much the Hawks are consulting with 
Trey Young on these things, but I do know that I mean Clint and Trey are cl- Clint, yeah, Clint Capella and Trey are close, and I I really do believe that Trey prefers playing with like a bonafide lob threat rim runner type. I mean DeAndre can be that, is that, but also it's, you know wants some paint touches and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know exactly if that's a perfect marriage. San Antonio has still been linked out there. There's this ongoing chatter about could there be something with Miles Turner to Indiana. Um, which would be a sign and trade, right? Um, and and both Turner and Aiton are represented by Bill Duffy. Um, and you know, could the Spurs thing be a sign and trade? Pertle, sure. Um, but the one interesting new development that I've learned is that the Suns are definitely telling some other um, rival teams, some agents, that they're not just going to let him walk. Like maybe they would match. Which that could be, you know, a game of chicken too. There's so much smoke going around this time of year. Um, but to answer your question about like, is it going to happen? What are the chances? Like, it certainly seems like anything's on the table right now. Seth, what kind of, what are you making of everything? Um, so it's, it's a, it's an interesting situation. I I sort of feel like, aside from the fact where it kind of seems like there's gotten some some acrimony involved. I sort of feel like this is the way teams should use RFA more, and they kind of don't uh, perfectly. I, I, you know, I I thought that they were completely correct to not just max him out uh, in an extension last off season. Now, with the season he had this year, um, if he ends up with a max, you're. But if there's not the max out there for him, we're 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 trying to you know you got to maximize all your angles and. And, you know, if, if that if the difference between you can save and him is, is getting, you know, a backup point guard who can who can, you know, play minutes in the games that Chris Paul is going to miss or something like that. Like that's a that's a meaningful difference in your team. So I don't I don't hate that if that's where it's going. On the other hand, like it's, it's so hard to tell whether there's kind of bridge that's been that they're just done with each other. And then they then they've kind of like lit the asset on fire a little bit. So I think it's going to be hard to it's going to be hard to know what what to make of how Phoenix has played this until it plays all the way out. All right, Joe, you're with us. How you doing? Hey, what's up, y'all? Not too much. I mean, a lot, um, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I was here on the last call and I asked you a question about the Pelicans and like Matherin and Dyson, and I actually saw that it got aggregated on Twitter. <laughs> um, so I'm going to try to not let that happen again. Uh, a little bit more general. The goal is uh, to never get like, aggregated, but we're always getting aggregated. So it is what it is, man. Um, I was asking about the Pelicans offseason. It kind of seems like we might be headed for like a quiet offseason. Um, I was wondering if you had any intel on like what maybe they're thinking to like maybe open up roster spots with getting off of Graham or maybe what's going on with Hayes or if they have any free agent targets. Thanks. You got it, Joe. Um, yeah, we're going to try to keep going rapid here. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone around the league I spoke to was certainly expecting that the Pelicans wanted one of Dyson Daniels or Ben Matherin. I knew Matherin wasn't going to be there. I mean, if it went Keegan Ivy like I thought it was going to, or Ivan Keegan in that, or- Keegan in that order, um, the intel was also very strong that Ben Matherin is going to Indiana. Um, so when Dyson was still on the board at eight, I know when I texted someone with the Pelicans to try to get confirmation to be that pick, I said, Dyson fell into your lap. And that person liked the text. 
Um, so, uh, you know, the rest of the offseason is going to be obviously hinging around Zion. I mean, Seth, what's kind of your, you know, how would you approach someone who's, you know, more of a analytical mind? How would you approach these, these Zion uh, contract talks? I mean, he's like if what I said about Aiton, uh, you know, you're not quite being the player you, you like Zion. If you get the some the the kind of uh, maybe some of the Embiid stuff on the health issues, like he is unquestionably, to my mind, an impactful enough player that you just kind of yeah no it's the no I think Brian Windhorst called it called it the fun max earlier this week or, or last week and I think that's right I mean it's not there's there's forty five fifty guys in the year who play in in the league every year who play at the level that would justify a rookie max contract is Zion Williamson a top fifty player in the NBA. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, so, you know, yeah, exactly. So, so it's, it's sort of, this is it. This is a difference. This is a different discussion almost than, than Aiden would be. Um, I, but the, the, the complicating factor is obviously the health stuff. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where they have by far the most information on that system, on that, on that situation. So they like figuring out where the, what the risks are, what kind of of you know sort of reassurances and non guarantees and and triggers and stuff that they might be able to put in that contract? I think that completely depends on like his rehab and the ongoing medical and, and stuff like that. So, um, but barring like be starting from a standpoint of easy max and then sort of moving backwards based on the risks that the medical identifies. All right, my namesake Jake, how we doing? Jake, are you with us? You're on mute. All right. Oh, all right. Got to move on, Jake. Sorry, we got to get to everybody. Brett, how you doing? Brett, you're on mute as well. Come on, Brett. <laughs> you need like the Price is Right sound or something. All right, Brett. Sorry, Brian. Maybe it's the app, and no one can unmute themselves. Brian, can you unmute? Hey, Jake. Can you hear me? There hey, we go. Hey, how you doing, Brian? Hey, good, good. I just wanted to know uh, what percentage you would put on Jalen Brunson signing with the Knicks, and will it be a sign-and-trade? Um, we talked a lot about Jalen Brunson at the top of the show, so if you're listening and missed that, um, when the show is done, uh, when the show is done, uh, it'll be recorded up online and uh, on the app and on Apple, Spotify, and all that. I really think it's 50-50, which it may sound like a cop-out, but that's a high number, as Seth can attest to. And anything in the NBA, the 50% chance of happening, that's, like, crazy. Um, so it's just going to it's gonna come down to some final negotiation and mixed salary clearing and stuff like that. I mean, could it be a sign-and-trade in theory, depending on how high his number gets? I mean, Seth would know more than me about the base year compensation stuff. That would be tricky. So maybe there was something where Mitchell Robinson goes back. I've heard that kind of been rumbled about in, in the past. I don't know how legitimate that really could be. Um, but honestly, like, if I'm the Knicks, I'm saying screw Jalen Brunson at that salary number, and I'm trying to offload Fournier's salary and Emmanuel quickly, and I'm taking the three picks I just got on draft night, and I'm trying to go get DeJounte Merritt for San Antonio. That's what I would do. Um, Seth, I mean, where, where, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't, I, yeah. 
I, I don't hate I don't hate that as a that as a pivot. Um, I know I think that the like again we talked up front the money that's being talked for Brunson, especially to sign outright. Like if you're bringing him back in bird rights, it's almost a little more palatable. If you're just going out and signing him, that means that you have the room to sign him, which means you're probably not very good. And he's not a player that pushes you to very good from not very good. Um, so yeah, um, I mean the other name that's 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 kind of out the door. I don't think we've 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 mentioned, and I don't. I'd have to think more. Like the Knicks would probably need to move like Julius Randle or something like that. Is Miles Bridges another uh-huh. another kind of in- interesting player who I think there's been some 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 rumors about where he's gonna what what's gonna end up happening with him? Like I think he's been he's been linked with Detroit also, hasn't he? He has been. Um, Detroit and Indiana have been the two consist- most consistent teams mentioned to me um, as like threats to steal Miles Bridges. Um, but to Jalen, like, for how good he is also, I know Seth are not, like, in love with him at that number. I'm not in love with him at that number, too. I do really like Jalen Brunson, though. And as uh, our, one of our listeners, Tim Cato, the Dallas Mavericks athletic beat writer, knows, uh, I spent a lot of time down in Dallas over the last couple of years, like, going to Eagles-Cowboys games. And also I got some friends like Tim down there. So it's a, it's a place to easily go on a reporting trip. And it's also, like, a – even though Dallas is like a big market, it's like a sleepier media market in terms of, like I got Chris Paul one on one and Harden one on one and a bunch of other guys. Kevin Love in Dallas one time, so like if there's ever like a, a big pocket of the New York uh, schedule between the Knicks and the Nets of like let's say they're both on the road for five days straight, and I can like go to another city to where they have a homestand. Like Dallas is always at the top of my list or or near the top, and I've seen Jalen play one on one. Post practice, this is all pre-pandemic, um, but I've seen him play one-on-one with Luca and other guards down there, where you only get three dribbles. So it's a big emphasis on like change of speed and footwork and all that type of stuff. Dylan Brunson is one of the more dangerous one-on-one scores in the NBA, in my opinion, um, and he showed it against Utah. He showed it a lot against Phoenix. But yeah, in terms of just like the team-building construct of, of where the math is and the how it's, you know, the game of the NBA is not just about talent but it's also about a lot of math and, and salary calculation it's going to be a precarious situation for whichever team uh pays him that much money unless he really is your starting point guard and the lifeblood of your offensive creation which is not going to be in dallas so it's just it's very interesting to see how it's all going to play out uh i think our guest is listen listen how are you i don't know why it's oh uh this is uh, my it's actually kevin uh hi, hi kevin Hi, Kevin. Uh, yeah, Seth knows me. Um, <laughs> I was just calling uh, to ask if you guys had heard anything about the uh, Bulls big man room, uh, if the Gobert deal is off, or uh, Mark Eversley last night mentioned that uh, they were looking to add a, a rim protector to complement uh, Vucevic, and <laughs> I didn't know if there was any rumblings on uh, who that might be. And semi-relatedly, what do you guys think uh, Mo Bamba is going to be looking at? Is more than the taxpayer mid-level or, uh, you know, around there? Thank you, Kevin. Um, well, Seth, I'm, I'm curious what your Mo Bamba evaluation would be. Fine. I mean, I think he's... If if the, the role you're talking about is sort of a, a guy you can play, you know, you're not thinking of him as a starter, you're thinking of him as a 20-minute-a-game guy and... <coughs> paying him accordingly like he can protect the paint some he can he can shoot he can stretch the floor okay i'm not sure he's i'm not sure he's more than that 
Um, I, I don't know if he like if he defends on on the perimeter well enough or rebounds well enough to be a you know even even with kind of that that sort of the the inklings of that Brook Lopez Miles Turner skill set. I don't think he's um, as good at the defensive side as either of them, and so. And, and like any little difference there is pretty steep in terms of of actual impact. So like, if you know, if, I don't know if it's me. You know, maybe like the like the the maybe the not the the taxpayer mid level or somewhere in there is is about more where I more where I would be comfortable rather than going the full the full the full non tax MLE. Yeah, Mo Bamba is definitely one of like the many players in the league. Right? right now who think they're going to or think they're capable of getting the full tax payment level or like i don't know if they will someone might um to bring it back to chicago it only takes one as, as the uh as the, the full the, i mean the full the full expression is only takes one asshole and that's and yes. that you know um and that you know it's that's that that might be the epitaph for the uh, jalen brunson situation depending on what the number yeah. ends up being um and then to bring it back to chicago the Bulls have been looking for someone, you know, like Jakob Pertl, um, dating back to last year's or this February's trade deadline, as someone who could potentially be a rim protector. Uh, he could back up Vucevic. Who maybe could even. Um, I'm not saying Pertl specifically, Pertle. but I think Pertl's better than Vucevic. But yeah, you know, to it's... set to set point, but <laughs> yeah, but also like some because Vucevic's deal is up after this season, so like. They know that that's not going to be a long-term solution. There, they're already starting to, you know, be pragmatic about it. So, if they could find someone like that, like Pirtle, or maybe like Mitchell Robinson, who's been linked to them. Now, Mo Bamba, I haven't heard as a name there, but maybe they're they're definitely looking for someone. If they're not just trading Vooch for like someone that they think is an upgrade at center, like Rudy Gobert, I don't know where those talks stand. I've been told repeatedly that the Bulls would not put Patrick Williams on the table that's, for Gobert. That's just that's that absolutely could, insane. If that could there. be a negotiating tax, it could be. Yeah, but but, it's, it, but you know your window, like your your best player is Demar Derozan. Your window is now. He's not getting any younger, and something good. Rudy Gobert is the second best defensive player in the league. What are we talking about? So if they're not willing to put him on the table, the deal's just not getting done. So. I, I guess reading all those tea leaves, I would I would make an educated guess that their most likely scenario is to go get someone in the non-taxpayer range. I don't know if they even have their non-taxpayer mid-level, but you get my point. Like I do think that's kind of where they would most likely be going. Um, we got three more questions in the queue, so Mac is going to be our last caller, and then we're going to go with Tyler. You're up right now. How you doing? Thanks for joining us. Thank you for doing this. Uh, I just have a question about Indiana. Uh, What do you think the resolution is going to be with Malcolm and Miles? And then who are some of the players that they could be looking at in free agency? Thank you very much, Tyler. Um, So Malcolm Brogdon is the player on the trade market that it seems is the, who his talents in Atlanta. I'll say that. Um, Miles Turner, I wouldn't be surprised if Miles was back in Indy. Um, I do think that their asking price is high for him, and it probably won't come down. With Brogdon, I think the price will come down. Um, that's kind of my read on that situation. Seth, do you have any perspective read on what's going on with the Pacers? I haven't yeah. heard any free agents linked to them besides the potential 
Miles Bridges pursuit and the DeAndre and sign trade rumor that we talked about earlier. Yeah, so probably should preface this by saying that I, you know, I was in the Bucks front office when we drafted Malcolm. So I, you know, I, there, there may be some lack of objectivity somewhere. But at this point, I think <laughs> it's a he's a he's a win healthy. He's a very good player who would have value because he's easy to fit in any system. That said, the health issues are so concerning, so constant um, that I, I, frankly, I don't think that I think he, he's probably viewed as a negative asset from a contract standpoint around the league. So you say the price is going to come down. I, I actually think the price is probably going up the other way in terms of what Indiana would need to attach to get someone to, to take him. Yes. That is a very good point. Um, and also like, Maybe I've said this. I've said this previously, but like the Pacers were the team that I see, from my understanding, was like projecting the most confidence that like they had deals on the table for guys that didn't happen, which was an interesting thing. Like I hadn't seen that before from uh, from indie side of things. All right, my guy Charlie Saturday, what's up? What's up, fellas? Uh, speaking of the Bucks front office, I'm Jones and over here for some Milwaukee whispers. Can I go ahead and get my Vasilya Micic jersey? For the summertime, and uh, Seth, question to you: You're running the Bucks. What does your summer blueprint look like? <laughs> wow, uh, that's, that's, you, that, that is a loaded so, question, isn't it? It's a loaded question. Um, so let me let, let oh gee, I do like I, I do like the, the 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 draft pick. I do like uh, I mean getting getting someone like getting some more athletic pop was they're in the Bochamp team, right? Yes. Yeah, was a big. Like this, He's awesome. yeah. This is this is so. This is not based on any report, any inside information. My strong intuition is that the, that like the Bobby Portis deal in time, just sort of that's works with last year. Um, <laughs> so you know, make of that what you will. No one puts anything down on paper anymore. Joe Smith saw to that, um, but you know, hands. And to get sh- get shook and even over Zoom, um, so I think that's and nothing gets texted or emailed either. Sig- Signal is your friend. Um, Signal, what is that app? The app that uh, I get notifications every day when new people join it. <laughs> yeah, but the, like the or you remember Cyberdust, um, Cubans app that would, I love. Um, Signal, man, Signal is the best. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I guess I'm, I'm tap dancing here, but yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's the thing is that like get, add some more athleticism and then, you know, you're the top of your roster is more or less locked in. And so finding some, you know, try to get in on that, that sort of the, the never ending supply of six, four to six, seven playable guys that, that, you know, Miami or, or, uh, Denver or uh, Toronto seem to be able to kind of manufacture, um, and just just like that that's something that over this run, Bucks haven't been great at kind of finding those diamonds in the rough. They like have done a nice job with with some uh, with with some sort of uh, value signings, if I do say so myself. Uh, <laughs> but but sort of the the, the creating a. a, a he wrote from from scratch, finding someone that nobody else saw. Like I think that that really using some roster spots on that, which I think that they've they've kind of had some dead roster spots at the at the back end, and I think I would try to use those more productively. 
I mean, like the, the the one they're using on Thanasis, that's that's fine. That's whatever. Like that's that, you know, Cleveland just drafted Isaiah Mobley, so it's not you know under. They did, yeah. You know, that's not really specific. That's just kind of general, and I, I kind of have to avoid being specific because living here, <laughs> I've I've heard things that I can't talk about because these are my friends. So that. Your loyalty is our loss. Okay, our final question, Mac, which I believe is about the Poku picture. Is this about the Thunder? Um, unfortunately, not about the Thunder. Um, okay, but I had just gotten off work, um, so I tried to jump in, and I know you guys have probably already talked about it, um, but kind of about Jalen Brunson. With like Stein yeah, we, today, we, 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 we talked Jalen okay. far too okay. long. Yeah, we got what, okay. what, what? What's the question though? Um, it was just a question of: Is it more of the Mavs not willing to pay as much, or is it more of Jalen's um, hope to be like the primary ball handler, um, be with family, and that sort of thing, or is it more of like uh, the Mavs just don't want to pay as much? If that makes sense. I definitely would not pin this all on the Mavericks. I think the the Knicks are doing everything they can from the family stuff to paying him a lot more than Dallas would originally intended um, uh, to uh, keep him. Um, but I don't think this is like a contentious thing between Jalen and Dallas. But I don't think he feels spurned like – yeah, did he want the contract extension that he asked for multiple times, according to Mark Stein's story from today? I believe so. Um, why? Why wouldn't he have? But like, if if the Knicks weren't doing everything they could to sign him um, to a pretty pretty fat deal, I don't think he wouldn't have wouldn't have been unhappy from a a four year ninety million dollar deal from Dallas. Now, our bad. We should have given you what you wanted. Here's thirty five million more. Like that's that has a yeah. way of nothing says nothing says I'm sorry like a big fat bag. Um, all right, Seth, this was great. Thanks for staying over time. It's starting early, man. Um, I owe you for. I believe we're going July fourth. We right? are going. We are going July fourth as a, just as I finish a cross country road trip, rolling out of the car. There you and, go. So uh, you'll be fresh and ready to rock. Oh yeah. Well, I, I, I'll, since I've been in the car for a couple of days, I won't. I'll, I'll basically be like the. I'll be the babe in the woods, and you'll you'll tell me everything that's 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 supposedly happening. I'll be like, "Well, what? <laughs> I didn't hear that because I was in, you know, Northwest Texas when it happened." Northwest Texas, maybe Shut no up. longer the, the home of Jalen Brunson. All right, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, well, I'll be back on calling on Monday night with Big Waz from the Ringer. Um, we'll talk all your free agency and draft questions. Maybe we'll get some trades between now and then. I'm not like prepared for it, but anything can happen. The new league calendar is approaching. OKC still has like a ton of salaries uh, room, I think. They still got a deal before the wire in. Um, so who knows as, the, as New York continues to look to shed salary for the often discussed Jalen Brunson sweepstakes. For Seth, I'm Jake. Uh, if you do, if you tuned in late, this will be up in full like very soon. The second we hang up, we're gonna get it edited and up live. Um, 
please uh, make an account here if you haven't. Subscribe to the show. Subscribe to Seth's show, Calling Shots. Buy his book, uh, Mid Range Theory. Be cool if you bought mine too, if you haven't already. Throw some ratings on the platforms. I'm going to stop being shill. A shill. Everyone have a great weekend. Thank you so much again for tuning in. The support's been awesome. We really appreciate it. And uh, we will be back on Monday. Take care, everybody. See you soon.